0: Welcome to the Gas Street podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Hello. How are we all? Hello. Good morning. Salam. We're doing okay. G'day. G'day. That's a correct greeting. Hello everyone. My name is Tim Muller. I'm going to be your preacher today. Hello. Hello. And I lead the student ministry here along with Rach Wilson. And the other day we realised there's a new Tim and Rach in town. So move over, guys. And we're excited to welcome um, Freshers in September. And we're going to be continuing on our Subscribe Here series. So if you've got your Bibles in a moment, we'll be reading from Galatians 5. But the series is about Subscribe Here. So if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, if your email is registered in heaven then you'll be sent these gifts and these fruit of the Spirit that's going to grow in your heart. And it's not so much about subscribing to a set of fruit, but being filled with the Spirit. If you're subscribed to the Spirit, we'll start to see things growing in our lives, and it's in. Important to point out a bit of that difference between the gifts, the supernatural things that are promised, about the, the speaking in tongues, in prophecies, in healings, miracles, all those things. These are things, gifts that the Spirit gives us, but it's not just that. He produces fruit of character in our hearts where we are changed to become more like Christ more like Christ. And the emphasis is therefore not so much on the presence of fruit in your life, but the presence of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you will grow the fruit. And uh, today we're looking at the topic of self-control. Now already some of you all are triggered, aren't you? You're triggered. You think, hope this guy doesn't mention my particular sin. Maybe your neighbour is there going, yeah, you better be listening this morning. So but don't worry, I want to start with a vulnerable story from myself. Would you like to hear that? About my sin. Don't have many of these stories. <laughs> but about my sin and a place where I really struggle with self control is in the car. Does anyone else feel this? In the car. That's a real place where sorry, the holy James over there, no. Goodness me, the minute I get in the car, it's like God can't see me anymore. You know, like you see those sci-fi films and they've got a little tinfoil hat to keep the aliens out. It's like the metal protects me from God's vision. And he's looking down from heaven like, which one's Tim? I can't see anymore. And so I'm in the car and I can do whatever I want. No self-control, nothing like that. And so there's, um, there's quite a few of these stories of me having low self-control in driving. But I want to tell you one. Back in Australia, so that, you know, no one here's involved. Uh, back in Australia, in my, um, in my home church, there was this roundabout right near the, the front of this church at the entrance. And this roundabout would always wind me up. And I know when, when Tim Bateman was preaching last week, he talked about the story of this guy, like, you know, he cut him off and he swore. I resonated with that story because I'm the one swearing. I'm the one being evil. So, Ready for some vulnerability. Ready for some vulnerability. So this roundabout would always wind me up because there was these, these two lanes. And obviously, if you're going straight, you, you go in the left or the you know, right-hand lane, you go forward. But if you're turning right, for goodness sake, get in the right-hand lane. Get in the right-hand lane. Get in there early so when you get to the roundabout, you can turn right. I don't want you coming in last minute, cutting in front and going right. No, 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 sir. So there's always... A trigger point for me coming up to this roundabout, and so one Sunday morning I'm heading to church. I come onto this roundabout, and I go thought I'm going to be a good citizen, nice and early. I'll get into the right-hand lane to turn right, and I was in the left-hand lane behind this lady driving very slow. And I'm like, okay, time for me to get across. So I t- I change lanes, and as I overtake her, oh, she speeds up. She speeds up, doesn't she? So I'm, I'm starting to get very triggered and, you know, that little voice of the Spirit says, calm down, and I say, shut up. And so we keep approaching this roundabout and we're getting faster and faster. And I, just, I just get that little spidey sense that she's wanting to turn right at this roundabout. And I'm like, not on my watch. Not on my watch. And so we keep getting faster and faster and faster. And I look over and we're, we lock eyes. We're staring. It's like a scene from, you know, like Fast and the Furious. We're locking eyes. We're doing about 60. And there's just this, there's this mutual understanding that it's on. <laughs> oh, it is on. And so we, we go faster and faster and faster around about. And she starts indicating. And I'm like, nah, uh, uh, And I look over and she's giving me a naughty hand gesture. <gasps> a naughty hand gesture. And so like the good Christian I am, I reciprocate. I reciprocate with this hand gesture, and I force her off to the left, and she disappears with this gesture, and I pull into the church car park with this gesture out my window. And I think the best part about that story is I was preaching that morning, probably on, you know, patience or kindness, and I get up on stage, I start my preach, and I freeze as I look out, and who do I see in the front row? This very same lady. And so I would, like panic, and we'd, we were locking eyes. But she, she'd been a bit naughty too. And there was just this mutual understanding. It never happened. It never happened. It never happened. First time in church. So if it's your first time in church today, hey, at least I didn't swear at you on the way in. You've had a much better experience But, you know, I struggle with self-control in the car where these things happen and this anger rises up in me and I don't, like, listen to the voice of spirit. I don't choose the right thing. And I give in to that urge to give naughty hand gestures. God's working on me. But we all have a place where self-control feels difficult, don't we? We all have a place. For me, it's in the car. I don't know what your place is. Maybe it's late night on your phone Maybe it's as you look in the mirror, maybe it's when the gossip chatter starts, at the bar, at the fridge, going through Netflix, I don't know where it is, but we all have a place where self-control is difficult. And I think this applies to us, whether we're Christians or not. We know that tension that we feel, the desire to do good things, and yet, the dysfunction and sometimes the ugliness that we have in our hearts can be really at, at odds with each other, and particularly over lockdown. Oh, my goodness. What a time to have our self-control tested than to be thrown into our house with the same annoying people or maybe all alone by yourself. I've never eaten so many crisps, right? Watching Netflix and just like, Get your little treat there. Go on. Oh, go on. Oh, it's locked down. Go on. How many times have you said that? Oh, it's locked down. Go on, have another one. Have another one. What? There was a whole bag there. Where would it go? Anyone else done that? Made your whole way through a treat. But it's locked down. It's locked down. And we give ourselves these little excuses. And self-control has been so, so tough. And it can feel so constricting and so constraining, this whole concept of self-control. But self-control and discipline are not actually the same thing. And this is something I want to unpack today, that when we understand God's heart for Holy Spirit-anointed self-control, it's not actually constricting. It's the most freeing thing ever when we understand how God intends it. And so now I want to read from Galatians 5, but I'm um, skipping back a few verses to where we've normally been reading from, from verse 13. So Galatians five thirteen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. This is where you can shove your neighbor. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So here we have this whole list of things to do or not to do. And we're told that we are free, but then to exercise self control. So, how can we have both these things? Don't they, they feel so contradictory? Well, I, I had an experience recently that kind of helped me frame this in a much more helpful way. Um, Stefan Schlag, where's he at? He's playing keys. Yes, Stefan. Let's give it up for Stefan. He's a legend. He's a legend. He's one of my favorite people in the entire universe. And And um, he's originally from East Germany, and he went back to East Germany to, to visit his family. And he said to me and one of my mates, Andy, why don't you come out and visit us? And we thought, that sounds like a great idea. And so we, we flew into Berlin, and, and he showed us around Berlin and saw um, parts of the wall and, and we learned the fascinating history of when East Germany was under a lot of Soviet control. And and out where he lives in East Germany, used to be under Soviet control, and there's some uh, beautiful lakes there. We went swimming there, and slightly odd story, but bear with me. Stefan said, when we go swimming, don't be surprised if you find people are a bit more liberal with what they consider appropriate to swim in, shall we say. And if any of you have been swimming... Uh, in parts of Europe, you'll know that clothing is very much optional. And so I was like, this this is odd, Stefan, explain this to me, what what is going on? And he said partly it's just part of European culture to be a bit more liberal. But he said something that I think really unlocks what self-control is. Listen to this, he said, under Soviet times, there was so much control that public nudity was one form of self-control you could have. And I was like, unpack that a little bit more. He said everything was so constricted and constrained about what you could buy and the timings of things and, and jobs and education, housing. It was all so constricted that the government, the, the people were so desperate for a form of freedom that they said, you control this, but you can't control my clothing at the beach. That it was one form of self-control, of freedom that people could express in a highly controlled environment. And I thought, that's absolutely brilliant. And I realized that's the key to understanding self-control properly. You can only have self-control if the self is free. Hear that? You can only have self-control if the self is free, if the person exercising that control is free to do what they like, what they want. And this this touches on a very key theme that runs through Scripture of that sense of control or slavery versus freedom, doesn't it? That that whole sense of um, when God's people starts, we see that he he chooses Israel and he says, you know, I'm going to build a nation of you, but through their complacency, they end up enslaved by Egypt and they're trapped there and so God raises up Moses to lead them out of slavery. And at the Passover, they remember this moment, and, they, and he says to them, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, out of captivity. And so, when we're looking at this um, thing of self control, really just the caveat today is I'm speaking about more like our personal temptations and sins. Often, there are situations that are out of our control where it's right to seek you know, counseling, legal action, to move to do all these things. But I'm talking about the, the captivity that we find in sin. And I think just people have a tendency to do this, don't we? To, to get caught up in these cycles where we feel trapped by our choices and circumstances. And we can only have self-control if the control is coming from within ourselves rather than outside. Does that make sense? Where the control comes from within us rather than outside. And that is the good news of the gospel, is that we're born into sin. We're born with this brokenness inside us, born with so much control coming from outside pressures, pressing us down. Our own brokenness, our own temptation, the power of sin had captivated us. So we couldn't exercise self-control because our self was controlled by sin. Our self was under the power of sin. But Jesus Christ, in his death and resurrection, broke the power of sin. Broke the power of sin over your life and declares you free. And now you are free to exercise self-control because we're under the power of the Spirit, not the power of sin in the flesh. That's why self-control when Holy Spirit anointed is the freest, most beautiful thing ever. Because those sources of control, of the powers of, of, of governments, of fear, of insecurity, lust, comparison, greed, all these things, the power is broken. And our hearts are changed. And that's Self-control, therefore, kind of speaks into a whole other theme of Scripture. So we have slavery versus freedom. So we were captive to things, but now through Christ we're free. And then the theme of the flesh versus the spirit. And we we see a lot this concept of the flesh that's kind of um, touched on in this this verse, like verse 17, the flesh desires what's contrary to, to the spirit. And I mean, some translations say sinful nature, but I don't think that's actually helpful. I think flesh is a much better way of understanding it. That we're kind of, we have this, this humanness, this propensity and desires to do what's wrong. There is this flesh within us. But verse 16, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For this flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit What is contrary to the the flesh. I mean, don't we just know this battle? Those things warring within us. And this is where we see that something has gone wrong in our DNA, in our operating system. We need to be reset, respawned. That's why Jesus says you must be born again. We need to restart where he says to Nicodemus, you are born in the flesh, but now you need a fresh, brand new start by the Spirit from above, where inside, internally, your heart is changed. And, and I think a great way to understand our interaction with this battle is when it says, verse 17, the flesh what desires is contrary to the Spirit. It's basically saying you have these desires and a tendency to sin, but the Spirit is there, so you don't just automatically give in. You don't just automatically give in. There is a spirit, there is a helper within us, changing our hearts, healing our brokenness, and producing fruit the fruit of self control. And so here we see this beautiful culmination not of slavery in the flesh, but of freedom and the spirit, which is why, if we go back to verse 1 of Galatians, of Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm and don't go back to slavery. It is for freedom you have been freed. Verse 13, you are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And that's so encouraging for us, particularly if you're here and you're a follower of Christ and and like me, you get in the car and you feel that tension in you. That some fool is trying to cut in last minute and the rage bubbles up. Even this morning, someone was trying to cut in, and I just had one of those come Holy Spirit prayer. It wasn't holy as that, it was like, Help me, Jesus, <laughs> help me, Lord. But you know, one of those come Holy Spirit moments where we feel these things where temptations come, but our hearts are changed. It can be tempting to think that we're stuck in these patterns, but no, the power of the cross is greater. The presence of the Holy Spirit changes us. And that's God's heart for us, I think, in this concept of self-control, is that we are freed and filled with his Spirit, and that enables us to please him and to love others. As it says in verse 13, rather serve one another, humbly in love and so what's what's your place what is your car where you struggle this week i want you to remind sin who's boss yeah it's jesus remind that temptation who's in control it's jesus it's the power of the spirit through you not that sin its power is broken And this week in the battle with the flesh, I want us to be praying those prayers of, Come Holy Spirit, remind me of your power within me that changes me. Remind me of that power within me. Because when Jesus convicts us of things, it's an invitation to freedom. It's an invitation to freedom. And and just to close, I want to just kind of narrow in on an interaction Jesus has in Matthew 19 with the rich young ruler. Because there's things in our lives that we think, well, why would I give that up? I love that thing. It's awesome. Why would I give that up? Why would I want to exercise self control in that area? If I'm free, can't I just do whatever I want? But I think in this interaction with the rich young ruler, we see Jesus' heart for us in this. So in Matthew 19, this guy comes up to him who's described as these three things he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. And so I think in the world's eyes, he's got everything he needs to be free. You know, he's got youth, age isn't a problem, he's got finances, he's got influence, he's as free as he could possibly be. And he says to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus essentially says, well, you have to live a perfect life, you have to obey the law perfectly. And the guy's like, well, I've done that, what else do I lack? And Jesus says, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, we know that even if he had done that, that's not going to make him saved. Salvation is by grace, through faith alone, only through through the sacrifice of Jesus and our unity with that. So, what's Jesus getting at? Jesus knows this guy is enslaved to his finances. He knows that this guy is ultimately not in control of his finances. His finances are in control of him. So Jesus isn't being all like judgmental and mean, well, you have to be poor now. No, he knows that this man is suffering under the burden of of financial control. And he's saying, I want you to be free. Let go of this, because the more you grab onto it, the more it holds you. And don't we do that with our sin, our addictive patterns, Things that we think fulfill us, things that we think give us freedom. And the more we hold on to them, the more we find out they're holding on to us. But with Holy Spirit anointed self-control, we can let go because its power is broken. And that's the invitation of Jesus to freedom to this guy. It says he walks away sad because he can't let go of it. So he's captive to the very thing he thinks brings him freedom. It's an invitation to freedom because he loves us. He doesn't want us squashed and controlled. He wants us free and able to love and serve and to bless others. And as we um, come into land for this whole series, as delicious as this fruit is for us, it's ultimately for other people. We are loved, but we love others. We have joy, and we bring joy to others. We have peace, but we bring peace to others. And it's all tied up in self-control. Because when we harness the power of the Spirit, when temptation and distraction comes, if we don't have self-control, all the rest is lost. But with the Spirit, He meets our needs for love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, and then frees us through self-control to bring that and gift that to others. Who wants to be a part of that? I certainly do. And I just want to invite um, Stefan up because we're going to move into a moment of communion here where we remember this beautiful moment where Jesus set us free. This is the moment where he died on the cross, only possible through his self-control. If he'd given into temptation, there'd be no cross if he'd given in to his own desire for comfort, there'd be no cross. But Jesus didn't use his freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, he served us humbly by dying on a cross. Jesus' self-control led to our freedom. And when we realize that we are free, we use our freedom to love other people. That's what we're here for. And so I'm just gonna pray for us and then Nick is gonna lead us in communion. And I just want us to, in this moment, just thank Jesus for the freedom that he's brought us. That in this, the power of sin is broken. And we can have self-control. It's his gift. We're going to remember the cross. So why don't we just just pray. You can stay, stay seated. And I, I just want to invite the Spirit as we enter into communion. Jesus, I thank you so much for your work on the cross that we were helplessly addicted to so many things. We were stuck in patterns. We were looking for needs that weren't met. But through love, you died on the cross, and you died and rose again victorious. And I thank you that in faith, we are united in your victory. So when flesh and temptation and darkness and sin comes at us, we say, you bow before Jesus. Jesus. We are loved, that we are free. I thank you for your work on the cross. And this week, as we face those battles, Holy Spirit remind us, speak to us the deep truths we need to know, that we are loved, that we are cared for, that our needs are met in you, Jesus. That we would walk in the expansiveness of your spirit, The openness of your spirit, not afraid of sin, but empowered through your Holy Spirit to walk free, free of captivity. We thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross. And we just want you to speak to us, convict our hearts now as we turn to you and remember your work. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gasstreet.org or follow us on Instagram at gasstreetchurch.